Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. so much for your giving. I do know, I found out this morning about 5,000 people in our region are still without power. So uh, if you didn't have power and you still made it to church, you are my hero. Um, It is so good to see everybody that did make it today, praying for all those that are still without power, that it will come on. I don't know how we even function without power in this new society, right? Like, we don't know what to do with ourselves, but thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I was texted um, as I walked to the side of the stage, and um, we have less than 20 spots available for the women's conference already. Um, So I'm I'm just saying that, like, if you want to go, you probably need to make a move, all right? Uh, They're going to go quick. Today, it is uh, truly an honor and a privilege to introduce to you our speaker. Um, I connected with Pastor Brandon Nelson a few years ago at one of the conferences we were both attending, uh, and we kind of hit it off, and he's became a dear friend of mine. Uh, we, We love him and his family and what he's doing for the kingdom of God. He pastors a church out in Illinois about an hour west of Chicago, and has done an incredible job in the last five and a half years of leading this congregation. Uh, but he and his family, he's married his wife, Autumn. They have five children, though. So um, how many know they're busy? And they are making a transition from Illinois, and they're going to be taking on the role of a campus pastor in St. Louis in the inner city for um, a church and a pastor that all of you are familiar with. He's going to be working for Pastor Joe Dobbins at the Twin Rivers Worship Center. And so we're just celebrating all that God is doing for Pastor Brandon and his family. Brandon, we're honored that you're here, and I'm even more honored to call you friend. So so excited for what you're going to deposit in the house today. Bethesda, would you stand with me, and would you give a big Bethesda welcome to Pastor Brandon Nelson as he comes to share the word with us. One more time for the people in the, that are hungry. God is really good. Amen. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing here at Bethesda Church. And you guys have two of the best pastors in the world. Anybody agree with me on that? Amen. Amen. Pastor Chad and Karen are dear friends of mine. And like he said, we uh, met at conferences, but we connected and and. God has joined us together and allowed us uh, to grow in our relationship, but also just talk about what God is doing and what we want to see God do in the future. Amen? Amen. Amen. Is anybody excited to hear the word today? Amen. Amen. So so before I do that, I think it's important. I want to show you a picture of my family. I want to reveal my family to you. So you can see my small family here. Uh, So you have my beautiful wife, Autumn. Uh, my oldest son is my oldest child. He's, he's eight. That's Jethro. Ivy is six. Zoe is five. And Bria is three. And Kyra Rose 
is uh, 11 months old. Uh, so I've had five under eight. Lord knows I need the prayers. So as, as remembering your prayers every night, uh, if you can, but God has been so good to us. We're so blessed and excited about all that God is doing in this season. Amen? Amen. So I want to preach to you today from the topic, He's on the Boat. He's on the boat. So take your Bibles with me, and I want you to go to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to journey through a small story in verse 23 uh, that just what I believe is just a powerful example of what God does and who he is to us. Amen? Amen. So you got to talk to me a little bit, else I'll preach for two hours. Okay? Um, Some of y'all are like, didn't say anything when I said that. Uh, you're kind of worried. I promise you I won't be two hours. Uh, but let's, let's look at this word. Let's, let's start off with this. Let's, let's uh, start off with a little bit of intro. And let me, let me give you this. It's, it's one of the things that I realized with this story is that the disciples find themselves in a position, in a situation in which chaos is everywhere. Panic is everywhere. This is not the most pleasant of situations. Can anybody agree with me on this? Is that being in the middle of a sea in a storm with Jesus sleeping does not sound like a good situation. I don't know about you. um, I've never been on a boat personally. Actually, that's not true. I've been on a boat uh, when there was a storm and it was a cruise ship. Now, being in a storm on a cruise ship is different from being on a storm Uh, in an eight-foot boat. That's two different experiences, right? Uh, And and so here we are with this moment of chaos. And I want to define for you a little bit of what chaos will mean. Uh, Chaos and panic in, in particular are words often associated with the madness of life or an overwhelming sense of impossibility. Chaos in theological terms is defined as a state of disorder that would exist in the absence of divinely imposed order on the cosmos. Chaos in ancient Greek literature is presented to us uh, as a chaotic or unpredictable aspect of the sea. For some of us, we may define chaos a little bit different. We may define it, if you're my wife, of trying to get five kids ready for church on Sunday morning. Uh, Maybe you uh, work in a field as a first responder and there's a tragedy that's taken place and you're bombarded with people that are experiencing life or death situations. That can be chaotic. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe in this room some teachers are here and and when you have to take your kids on a field trip uh, and, and that gets a little bit stressful. You know, um, or maybe you're, you're you, I would, on a lighter note, I have a, a dog, his name is Bubba, okay, my, my daughter named him, okay, and this, I'm going to show you a picture of Bubba, so, so this is Bubba, Bubba's small, okay, uh, no, he's not at all, he's 195 pounds, uh, this is not him full grown, this is about when he was 11 months, uh, but now he's about 195 pounds, but he is the kindest, the cutest little dog, well, big dog, uh, you'll ever meet. Uh, but one of the things that he has is a chaotic moment when I have, or someone has a tennis ball, and someone has a bone. Now, these two things in his life, when you don't choose for him, leads to chaos. 
So how he responds to chaos is he will spin in circles. Just keep going. Just keep going and going and spin around and spin around and spin around until you just give him one of them. Then he's okay. But chaos looks different for all of us, even Bubba. But what I want to reveal to you today is that even in your issues and your situations, ultimately uh, our experiences and our perception will reveal whether or not a situation will become chaotic. Let me use a, a TV show for an example. There's this TV show called Deadliest Catch. Has anybody heard of Deadliest Catch? Right, you have these, these guys on these boats in the middle of the ocean attempting to make a living, and sometimes they hit storms, and storms just, and the, the waves just, just bombard the boat, and in all of that, you have one person on that boat, and the one person's job on that boat is not to sleep, it's to steer the boat and make sure that they're able to make it through the storm. This is the helmsman or the, the captain or however you might refer to him. This one person, their job, their purpose is to make sure everyone else does what they need to do in order to make sure that they are able not only to get what they need, but also that this particular company of men are able to make it back home. This is the goal. This is what the, the purpose is. And, and you see these tense moments, these chaotic moments that they experience. And you're, you're wondering to yourself, how in the world are they going to get out of this? Well, while panic ensues because of the environment, there is always this one person that is controlling what happens next. And that is where the, the captain comes into play. Now, panic coupled with chaos, usually leads to a frenzy and a pretty bad outcome. Can anybody agree with me on that? Now, John 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The truth is, peace is usually the only way to gain a sense of confidence and normalcy in our lives. Now, panic by definition is this overwhelming uh, a sense of fear with or without cause that spreads from one person to the next. That's what panic causes. That's what fear leads to. If, if, you, if you remember this thing called the pandemic, anybody familiar with that? Okay, uh, the pandemic, what it, it happened was that people became so consumed with the, with the news instead of the word of God that, that you saw this panic take over the entire nation. And everybody began to live according to what the news said instead of according to what the word of God said. Come on, somebody. But you see these things happen, but the, the truth is um, something about these storms in our life, this Calls, that causes chaos and this panic in our lives uh, is, is unavoidable sometimes. It's just unavoidable. We can't always run from these issues, these situations that arise. But here in Matthew's interpretation of this story, we see the sovereignty of God made tangible. We see him control the elements with the same breath that he would create the environment. Now, in this story, theologians refer to this as a nature miracle. This was the first nature miracle that, that Jesus does. 
And there's three elements in this that I want you to see. There is the environment, disciples, and Jesus. These th three things together are going to create for us a story and a, a situation in which we're going to see the sovereignty of God unfold before our eyes. Now let's take a look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. It says, now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm that came. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? So the point I want to talk to you about, first and foremost, is God is, has already been where you're going. God has already been where you're going. Verse 23 reveals something really cool to me that I hadn't uh, seen, and I've read this story. I've heard it preached thousands of times. I've read it thousands. I don't think thousands, but I've read it a lot of times. I've, I've gone through this passage. I've, I've read the Bible, and yeah, who would notice that when you read the Bible every single time, it always shows you something different? Isn't that amazing about the living word of God and that it reveals something different to you based on where you are in your life or maybe what your situation is? But what I notice about this story, the first verse in verse 23 says something that's so powerful. It says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Now, this is interesting because Jesus went into the boat first and Jesus is the one sleeping on the boat. Now, why this is powerful, it's because Jesus already knew where they were going. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The future they were going to was already in God's hands. But you know, it's difficult sometimes that we can enter into a situation and we forget all that God has promised us. We'll enter into a storm of life. We'll forget everything that God has declared over us. We'll enter into a, a circumstance in our life. We'll forget everything that God has promised to us. But I want to encourage you today to remember what God has promised to you. Now, the aspect of faith that I believe the disciples were missing was trust. Everybody say trust. Now, Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Who can agree with me? It's sometimes it's hard not to lean on your own understanding. You know, sometimes when we're in relationship with God, we act like a know-it-all. Well, God, I know what I need. God, I know what I want. God, I know what, what's necessary for this situation. And sometimes God is saying, you know what? Can you just let me be God and you be who I called you to be? Do you know sometimes we, we get in the way of what God wants to do? Here's one of the things I told my church last week. I preached this sermon and I talked about Abraham and, and Isaac and the, the, the situation he, he was in. One of the things you have to remember is sometimes your improvisation will get in the way of God's provision. So what I loved about the story is that what Abraham did is he went up the mountain unknowing to the fact that God was sending a ram up with him. 
And sometimes in our storms and in our lives, what we do is that we try to improvise out of God's plan instead of following God's plan faithfully and trusting him that he will give us and have exactly what we need when we need it. That's why the Bible tells us seek him first and he'll add everything else on later. But the first responsibility that we have is to seek God. Now, trust for me in this circumstance is when you get in the boat and you remember that Jesus got on the boat first. Circumstances for the disciples, I believe, seems to go against that thought. See, I believe that trust is so difficult when we're hurting. It's hard to trust when we're hurting. It's hard to trust people when we're hurting because uh, uh, people sometimes are the reason we're hurting. Amen, somebody. Sometimes it's the people that hurt us. But it's different with, with Jesus because when you trust Jesus, what I can declare to you is that the same way Job went through, through hell and he went through all the trials and the tribulation and the, his body was beaten up and, and, and he was in a distraught place, he still declared, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. How many of us can declare that today in the middle of our storm that, God, I'm in the storm, but I'm going to trust you. God, I'm in this situation, but I know who you say you are, so I'm going to remember that, and I'm going to stand on that. See, trust is not hoping for the best outcome. Trust is believing in the God of the outcome. That's where God wants to lead us to. I believe God is saying to every single one of us today, I am the author and the finisher of your faith. The God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. I was there in the beginning. He was there in the beginning. He was there at the, he will be there at the end. And you know what I can assure you? He will also be there in the middle. That's what I love about God is that he doesn't take breaks in our story. God doesn't take breaks in our story. You know what I love about God? When we trust God, one of the things that we struggle with is that not so much with God's plan, but trusting God's plan. And a lot of times we think God's plan has holes in it because we improvise. Here's what happens, is that when you try to improvise in God's plan, what you're doing is saying that, God, you have not constructed this plan to fit and meet all of my needs. But can I tell you today that a lot of times the only hole in God's plan is your trust. But if we can get to the point where we say, God, I'm going to trust you. I have no idea where this next step is going to take me. I have no idea where you're going to go from here. But I'm going to believe that if you declare that you will never leave and that you will never forsake me, you will be who you said you are in your word. That's who God is for us today. So I want you to know that some of us have bad, had bad prognosis from doctors. But I believe God is the one writing our report. I believe some of us have thought that we weren't worthy of the next day. Can I tell you something today? That one thing I don't take lightly is, is depression and even suicide. But one of the things I want to declare to you is that even if you, you have that feeling that you are unworthy, God has a plan for your life because he's already in your tomorrow. So when you face that moment of darkness where you say, you know what, I don't know what I'm gonna do. 
I don't know if I can make it to the next day. Remember who's already in tomorrow. Remember who is already there, who's already fixing things up, who is preparing something for you, who's cultivating something in you, who, who is testing your faith, who's trying your faith because he's developing something in you. There's a purpose attached to you. You cannot give up now. You can't let go now because God is already where you're going. He's already where you're going. And so I want you to know today he's been here before. In your story, when you're on that boat, in your middle of your storm, he's already been there before. Now, evidence in the story suggests in verse 24 that Jesus falls asleep on a boat on the sea in the storm. With what's, what's also a key part, the water is coming into the boat. It doesn't get any worse than that. How many people go on boats often here? Anybody go on a boat often here? So we got a couple folks. Now, if you start seeing water in the boat, you get concerned because it's supposed to stay outside the boat. At least the boats I like to go on. I don't know what boats you like, but I like it when the water stays out of the boat. But in this scenario, everything that could possibly go wrong is going wrong. And what does Jesus have the audacity to do? Jesus has the audacity to fall asleep when everything is going wrong. But you know, I love this, but you know about Jesus is that even when it seems that everything's going wrong, because he is there, everything's going to be all right. You know, sometimes in our life, we, we miss that point is that, yes, things are going wrong. Yes, things are really difficult right now. Yes, I'm struggling, but because of who's with me, everything will be all right. When Jesus is a part of your story, when you have a relationship with Jesus, it means that everything will be all right. Tell your neighbor it's gonna be all right. Here's something we can learn from Jesus who decided to sleep peacefully in the middle of a place where very little peace seemed to be available. Peace changes your perspective. Peace changes your perspective. Does anyone have a friend or a loved one that without hesitation will fall asleep anywhere? Uh, you know those people, like, they'll fall asleep in a college football game, in the stadium. You know, they'll fall asleep in the middle of your conversations. Ladies, do your husband do that to you? Anybody? Or is that just me? Come on, come on. Don't let me feel lonely in here. You know, you're hearing about the whole day, and then all you hear is and they're gone, right? You know, we, 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 have, we all have those people, those individuals who will do that. And for me in particular, when I'm on, in a car, if I'm in the passenger seat, all you gotta do is give me about 10 minutes. If I'm driving, I'm good. But if I'm sitting in that seat and I'm in the passenger seat and, and you're driving and, and everything's, the scenery becomes like repetitive, I'll just fall right asleep. You could talk to me as much as you want. I'm gone. I'm not listening either. <laughs> so, so what's really interesting, though, is that I believe that in this story, Jesus is used to the, seri the scenery. He's used to this. He's seen it before. You want to know why he's seen it before? Because he's created it all. You know why, why he can rest 
You know why he can sleep in the middle of the storm? Because he created the storm. You know why he could stay asleep in the middle of the, the sea? You know why he can walk on the sea? You know why, why Jesus is able to look as if he's out of tune or out of the loop in terms of the situation? Because he created the situation. And I love this about Jesus that even when we think he's not there, he is right there when you need him. Jesus is right where he needs to be. In your life right now, if you're in a storm, I want you to know Jesus is right where he needs to be. Jesus is right where he needs to be. Yes, yes, there is difficulty, and sometimes we'll ask the question, God, where are you? But he is right where he needs to be. And these disciples, seeing the surrounding turmoil, go into panic. But here's the thing. These are not just regular men that don't know where they're at. See, these, these followers in particular, some of them are very used to being on a boat. You know, you know this is the same Jesus that called them, hey, you're not going to uh, be a fisher, uh, you're not going to be catching fish anymore, you're going to be a fisher of men. These men knew what it was like to be on a boat. They knew what it felt like to be uh, uh, in the middle of situations, even on the sea. But for some reason, this time, everything seemed to change in their perspective because now they don't have everything that they were used to before. This is interesting because panic and fear beset them and it takes residence in this boat because on this boat, they had to leave everything behind that they've ever known. See, fishing was all they've done. This is what they do. Some of them didn't have anything else. So they left, and Jesus said, follow me. Take everything and, and put that on the side, and I want you to follow me. So what Jesus is offering in this scenario is, guess what? I'm taking away stability, and I'm giving you a storm. So that sounds like a good reason to be panicking. That sounds like a pretty good reason to enter into a frenzy where you're wondering, Jesus, what in the world have you gotten me into? How did I end up here? Why am I in this situation? This is where they find themselves now. Let me ask you this. Has anyone ever felt like God brought you to a place where comfort was not going to be your portion? Has anybody been in a situation where comfort was not your option? where trials were the only thing you're going to face. Has anybody been in a trial or tribulation? Anybody been in a difficult day, difficult time, where they're struggling, and you wonder, Lord, what in the world have you brought me into? Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe, maybe it's in your health. You're saying, God, how did you get me here, and why am I here? But here's what I love about the Bible is that Isaiah declares that Jesus is the prince of peace declares that he's the Prince of Peace. And in this passage, the Prince of Peace does not move in response to the storm. And that's an issue for us in a lot of our lives. The issue is we do not like the idea of Jesus not responding when we, when we, we are in the middle of a storm. I don't think anyone here enjoys struggle. Is there anybody here that enjoys suffering? Praise the Lord, all the hands stayed down for that one. I'm thankful. But the reality is in that in this scenario, suffering was going to be a part of the package. 
But here's what I love about this particular scenario, that Jesus doesn't respond to the storm. He responds to the declaration and the desperation and the disciples declaring, save us, Lord. See, sometimes some of us are waiting for God to respond, but the thing is that we've come to him with the wrong idea of who he is. I want you to let you know today is that the one thing you want to do is to make sure that when you come before the Lord, that you declare, Lord, save me, meaning God, change me, transform my life. And I promise you, if you make sure you make that the priority in your story, I can guarantee that God will bring you out of that storm that you are facing in your life. Here's what you need to realize Sometimes the only thing God can do to stop us from falling or failing or, or, or dealing with complacency is dropping us in the middle of something that will make us uncomfortable. So what I might be proposing to you right now is that sometimes God creates the storm in our life. Some of y'all probably didn't want to hear that today, but I got to tell you the truth. Sometimes God creates the storm in our life. Simply because a lot of times we get too complacent or too comfortable in our relationship with him. See, a constant relationship with God means that he's stretching you. It means that he's building your faith. And to build faith, to build that faith muscle, that perseverance muscle, he has to put you in trials. He has to put you in situation. He has to put you into tribulations and, and situations that are gonna allow you to grow from strength to strength. It can only happen when you experience, if you, ex you have to experience some suffering. Y'all okay with me right now? Don't be mad at me yet. But the truth of the matter is we have to go through to grow because God has called us to growth. Now, I believe some of us in here have maybe been questioning your life and your commitment, but I want you to be encouraged to hold on today. Don't give in. God is not done with you yet. Some of you made life decisions saying that the grass was greener over there on the other side. Has anybody ever looked at someone and said, okay, I like what you have, I'm gonna do that too. Do you know that sometimes greener grass is not real grass? Sometimes it's turf. Y'all missed that revelation right there. So, sometimes the grass that's greener on the other side is not the real thing. It doesn't have roots. It's not developed in circumstance. It's not developed in, in, in being stretched in, in faith. Sometimes it's just somebody just, just going and doing things outside of the will of God. But I need you to know that if you would just hold on, if you be steadfast and unmovable and say, God, I'm not gonna waver in my faith. I'm not gonna waver in who you've called me to be. Yes, I know what my friends are saying. Yes, I know what they're doing, but God, I will not go back to that. I will not be who I was. I'm going to believe that who you've called me to be is who you're going to strive. And so if you are calling me to this, I will take root in what you are saying. This is what God is calling us to. Because the truth of the matter is, I want the real Jesus. I don't want the commercial Jesus. You know, the commercial Jesus lets you stay and act the same way and think everything's okay. I'm so glad for your, your pastor and, and the fact that he preaches the truth. 
And guess what? If it's the truth, it's going to hurt sometimes. And if you come to church every Sunday, and I know you don't hear, but, but sometimes there's churches out there where you can go into a church and you can get all lovey-dovey, get a hug and feel good, but never ever be challenged by the word of God. But if you want the real Jesus, you need the real truth. If you want the real Jesus, you need the whole Bible, the full counsel of his word. You don't need some parts, you need every part. Because guess what? If you wanna see transformation in your life, if you wanna see transformation in your family, transformation in your relationships and in your job and wherever you might be, it's gonna require that you take the full counsel of the word of God and you realize that if God says it, I'm going to believe it because he is going to build me up for something greater. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I want you to know today that whatever the, the, the you see in the news, whatever you see in politics, do not let that be the reason why you do things. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I need you to understand that whatever the identity is that they're telling you, whatever that thing is that they're saying about you, I want you to know the word of God has made clear who you are. The word of God has made clear who you are called to be. And there is no devil in hell that has authority over the word of God. So whatever it is, I want you to stand on the truth. I want you to find your identity in Jesus, not in the things of man, not in the aspirations, not in the things that the men create, but know that when Jesus calls you, that when Jesus created you, he spoke, spoke, spoke you into existence. You are not by accident. You are not here by accident. You're not in this place by accident. So if you are here, it's because Jesus has purpose on your life. I feel like preaching in here now. Y'all, I'm getting in trouble. Pastor Chad ain't going to have me back. Lord, help me. But I, I want you to know that God is trying to show some of us that peace should not equate to complacency. So here, here's the thing about peace. Peace is not the absence of the storm. It is the presence of Jesus in the boat. Real peace. But can we all admit that sometimes we want the peace where the calm comes, where everything's okay. <laughs> That's the peace we like. But here's the thing is that Romans chapter 8 says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time is not, worth, is not worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed to us. That means it's coming. Some, it's now and it's coming. That means that in certain aspects of our life, you can't, uh, how do I put this? You have to wait for some things to turn around. You know, Paul, you know Paul suffered with a thorn. He had, he had a particular uh, infliction in his life that he had to deal with. But even in that, he said, my strength is made perfect in his strength is made perfect in my weakness. That means I got a, I have an issue. I have a, I'm struggling. I have something I'm enduring. But you know what happens when we admit that we have weakness and that God can see that weakness and we expose the enemy in all his lies as he tells us to hide it, tells us to stay away from it, tells us not to deal with it, to push it under the rug. But when we declare that, God, I want to know freedom. God, I want to know deliverance. God, I want to know your truth. That is the moment where I promise you, if you hold on and you allow God to be God in your life, he will address every single need that you have. Now, I want to make sure you know that God does not promise that you'll come out unscathed. 
If there's a storm in your life, he does not promise that it will not hurt sometimes. He does not promise everything is going to always be okay, in a sense. But I want you to know that peace is your portion. And what I love about peace is that there's nothing that the devil can do about it. You know, it's kind of like, it's, it's like that, that in, in my grandma's house, she had this one section of the home that was covered by plastic. It's kind of like a, CI, a CSI investigation scene. And you couldn't, if you even went near the table, I, it didn't make sense to me why there was a couch, but you couldn't sit on the couch. And I said, Grandma, who are you waiting to come? Who? Is it for the president, Jesus? Who, who is, why can't I sit on the couch? She said, you better not sit on that couch. You better not touch that furniture. You better not go in there. And, and, and the one thing is, is it's kind of like that when, and when the devil wants to get into every crevice and area of our life. You know that the devil wants to disrupt your life? The devil wants to destroy your life. He didn't come to make your life fluffy. Everybody knows that, right? The, the, the devil wants to destroy every area of your life. But what I love about Jesus is that when you have a relationship with Jesus, that there's something that comes with the fact that peace is your portion. It simply means that when the devil comes to mess with you, he can't touch your peace. He cannot touch your peace joy. He cannot touch these aspects of your life that were given to you because of the fruit of the Spirit. These are not things that the devil made possible. This is all made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm so thankful that he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, to embolden us, so that even when the devil tries to come with the worst of situations, I can tell devil, you better step back. You cannot touch my peace. You cannot touch my joy because it doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from what I have. It came from Jesus. Hallelujah. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, the world tells you peace is when you got the house and the car and the money. But what if peace doesn't look like that for us? There's a story of two painters that went into a contest, the, you know, a painting contest, and they both had to draw a picture of what peace was. And this is really cool because as they were drawing this picture of, of peace, the first one drew a calm sea with a dolphin jumping out of the water. The beach. Does that sound pretty good to anybody? The beach and everything looked pretty. But this other person had another perception. This second painter had a different perception. He decided that he was going to draw a sea. But over that sea, there was going to be a storm. There was going to be lightning. There was going to be raging waves. Now, you're probably thinking, that doesn't sound like a picture of peace. But in the bottom of this portrait, what he did is that he placed two rocks, and then he had a little bird sitting there, and this little bird was chirping and singing away as if nothing was going on. Can I tell you something? That's what real peace looks like with Jesus. See, real peace is not on the beach with, no, with sandals on and, and tanning and, and, and swimming with dolphins. 
Because the reality is that calmness is not always going to be there. But real peace is when Jesus keeps you and he hides you in the cleft of the rock and, and he carries you and he takes care of you. Even in the midst of the storm, you can still sing his praises. Even in the midst of the storm, you can still worship him. Even in the midst of your trial, you can still declare that he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Even in the midst of your situation, you can still uh, declare that God is with you and he will never leave nor will he ever forsake you. That's what real peace looks like. It doesn't negate the the storm, but it just declares who's with you in the storm. See, peace is when God's calm and God's tranquility overrule your concerns. But for my grandma, it's really interesting because my grandma would reveal what peace looks like in my life, and I'll never forget it. My, gra my grandma suffered from Parkinson's, and she had really bad arthritis and severe back issues. And one Sunday, I remember her standing up. Everybody remember those testimony services? She stood up and, and she would work her way up into a standing position. You could see the pain in her body as she stood up. And my grandma, in the midst of this crowd of people, would declare, God is so good. And I said, wait a minute, Grandma. You have arthritis? You have Parkinson's, you're struggling right now, you're in pain standing on your feet, but you're declaring that God is good? And for me, I struggled a little bit because I had a bad week. I was struggling because I see this woman who has been enduring this pain for years now is standing up in the middle of this church and declaring that God is good. Can you believe that? How dare my grandma? I had a bad week. How could you do that right now? How could you say God is good? And I, I began to scratch my head in confusion, but the Spirit showed me something. He said, son, you want to know what real peace is? Look how your grandma carries herself in the middle of her trials and tribulations. Look how she still worships me even when she's going through adversity. Now, I don't know about you, but the one thing that I struggled with that day is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because I realized that I had had the wrong perception on what joy and what real peace is. Because my grandma would go on to say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, she would declare this one line that just struck me. She said, my soul cries out, hallelujah. See, this is what it looks like when even in the middle of your situation, it is your soul that declares that the God is good. It's your soul that declares that he's with you in the midst of your adversity. It is your soul that declares he is worthy to be praised. You can rejoice in the Lord always, not through your physical abilities and what you have and what you're doing, but you can tell him that because of my soul and how you've saved my soul, I can still rejoice in who you are. This is real peace because peace isn't just a state of mind. It's a mind stayed on him. That's real peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you keep him 
in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I want you to know that peace comes with a package. Now we understand in this story of Matthew chapter eight that Jesus is in the middle of all this with the disciples and all that has transpired. But the challenge for you, my brothers and my sisters, is now to ask oneself, how does this translate into my life? Well, I come to tell you today, the first thing is a relationship with Jesus. But when you have a relationship with Jesus, it challenges you to stand in the face of your greatest fears, in the face of your greatest enemies, in the face of your greatest storm, and still be able to declare, I will not die, I will not fear, I will not be moved. The disciples thought that death was knocking at their door. But what they didn't realize is that there was purpose attached to their name. The last one I'm gonna give you today is that the storm is not bigger than your purpose. Where I live in DeKalb, Illinois, it is as flat as you can imagine. It's the complete opposite of here. Uh, somebody told me a story of if a dog got injured, you could see it hobble away for two weeks. That's how flat it is. And, and, and one of the things that comes with that is, is that when storms hit, you feel everything. And I found it so interesting because one night I was studying and my son heard one of the loud sounds from the storm and he ran to daddy and he said, daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, I'm scared. What, what is going on? What is that sound? And I began to speak over him and tell him, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid because you're in the house. And I heard that phrase and it stuck with me. And I said, because you're in the house, you don't have to be afraid. And I told him, because when, I built, when we built this house, we built it on a firm foundation. And when we made this house, we also declared that this house would be weatherproof. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody who builds houses tells you they're going to put holes everywhere, you probably should go a different direction. But I told my son, Les, guess what? I want you to know, not only is this firm foundation that we are standing on and we are living in, but this is also weatherproof. So even if you hear the storm, even if you see the storm, I want you to know, son, that this storm cannot touch you. Can I tell you something today about your life? That even in the life storm, when it comes down to the moments where you think as if you're going to give up, don't give up because that storm is not going to take away your purpose. Because if Jesus is on the boat, now understand the context. If Jesus is on the boat, that means that they're going somewhere. And Jesus was not done with his ministry. This was at the beginning. I need you to understand that if it means that there's work to be done, if there's a purpose on your life, it doesn't matter what type of storm it is, it cannot harm you. Not because of how strong you are, not because of, uh, of, of what your, your capabilities are, but simply because of who God is and what he has in store for your life. The disciples lost their cool because they could not see past the present circumstance. But I want you to know that if you are breathing and you are living right now, is there anybody breathing and living right now? Please raise your hand, everybody. Lord help me, if somebody doesn't raise their hand, you gotta pray for them right now. 
But if you are living and breathing in this room right now, it's because God has purpose attached to your name. It is not by accident. I don't care if you're one year old. I don't care if you're 200 years old. If you are here right now, it's because God has a purpose for your life. And there is no devil in hell that can stop that purpose from going forth. The only one that can stop that is us. Because when you're on the boat, God reveals his presence to you. And I believe that when the Bible declares that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world, he is declaring to us that when we pray our prayers, don't stop praying for the prodigals. Don't stop praying for the sons and daughters who you're saying, God, they've come so far from you. They've gone astray. God, they've given up hope on you. Don't give up your prayers. Don't stop praying because God is not done with their story yet. Don't give up on that prayer that you've been praying to see deliverance in your son and your daughter because God is not done yet. Don't give up on that child that is in addiction. Don't give up on in your prayers. Don't give up on them because God is not done with them yet. If they are breathing, if they are here, it's because because God has a promise, has a purpose on their life, and there is no devil that can stop what God is gonna do through their life. He's not done yet. Tell your neighbor, he's not done yet. I'm almost done though, don't worry. <laughs> Even when it seems dark, and it looks like you've lost it all, Remember who's on the boat with you because he's not done yet. His word will not return void and it will accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. Jeremiah 29 declares, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He's got plans for you. He's not finished with you. Yet, the Holy Spirit's so heavy in my heart. I feel like there's some people who have thought about giving up, have been tired, who have, have, have almost wanted to throw in the towel. Because you're saying this storm is taking way too long. This storm has yet to pass. This storm has not left yet. And I am so exhausted from trying to fight the storm. But I want you to know today that when Jesus pulled us into the situation, it's because he had a plan to reveal who he is to them. He had a plan. And sometimes following Jesus is faith-based, not preference-based. Yeah, we would prefer to not have to go through difficult situations, but if you want God to build your faith, you have to realize that if you be steadfast in your prayer, if you say that you will not waver in the midst of the situation, I promise you that God will give you the peace that you need to make it through. What else is so powerful about the God that we serve is that we see that the one thing Daniel refused to give up when he went into that pit was his prayer life. I want you to know today that no matter what you face, stay in prayer. Continue to lean into God. Continue to ask God to reveal who he is to you. Don't look for him to fix things as much as he's trying to break your will to, so that you can receive his. 
That's the tough thing about prayer. Prayer is not always about asking and getting. Sometimes prayer is about him molding us into who he's called us to be. Worship team, you can come up right now. One of the things I want, I want, to, I want to show you is, is that there was a story of, of a farming community, and in this farming community, uh, they were in a drought, and they desperately needed rain. And if you farm, you know that you need rain. It's not optional. And so all the leaders, all the Catholic leaders, the Christian leaders, the Pentecostal leaders, all of them came, and they came to one big service in the middle of town, and, and, and they began to pray, they began to worship, they began to sing songs and hold up their symbols and their crucifix and all these different things. But at the end of all of this service, they could not see a response from God. Nothing happened. But you know what's fascinating? There was a little boy in that same town who went into the middle of the square. He was in the middle of that square. He opened his mouth and he began to pray. But as he began to pray, there was a dark cloud that began to form over the town. But the difference is that this young man brought his umbrella with him. So he took his umbrella and he opened up his umbrella and he stood there and began to praise God and worship God and began to declare the word of the Lord over the entire town. And it began to pour, began to rain everywhere. And they didn't understand why was it that this kid was able to make rain come, but we came together, we pray every day, and we didn't see anything happen. You want to know what it is? It's the simple fact that he expected something from God. So when we act in expectation, we will bring the equipment that we need. And you want to know one of the things that you have to do in your life in the middle of your storm? You have to be able to equip yourself with your praise. You have to be able to equip yourself with your worship and say, God, I know I'm in the storm. God, I know I'm going through hell right now. But I know that if I lift my hands, if I praise you, if I rejoice in the Lord, you will bring me through. You will bring me through. You will bring me through. Come on, lift your hands in this place right now, all over this place. Come on, in the middle of whatever you're going through, let's declare the goodness of God. Let us worship him and say, God, you are worthy. You are worthy of the praise. In the middle of my mess, in the middle of my situation, God, you are worthy. God, this hell is not bigger than my promise. This hell is not bigger than my purpose. God, I will lift you up. I will magnify your name. I will praise your name and I will declare that you are good. This is what God is looking for from his people. A people that are bold enough to say, you know what? I am in a tough season, but let me show you what I do in my tough season. I don't give up, I don't pout. I open my mouth, I open my hands, and I lift them up and say, God, you are worthy. Come on, somebody open your mouth in this place. Say, God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy of the praise. God, I lift you up, I worship you. God, you see me in the middle of my mess. You see me in my situation, but I know you are with me and I know you will not leave me. This young boy brought his umbrella. But you know what's really cool? I believe that in this scenario, as we see them on the boat, Jesus goes in first, and these kids, these, these young disciples go in after him. 
But you know what I think he's saying to us? I don't want you to bring panic when you come with me on the boat. Can you imagine if the disciples were brave enough to just go to sleep? God's in here. I think he wants us to pack our pillow and not our panic. I think that's what God is asking some of us to do. Some of us have been panicking and say, God, I need to find an answer. But God is saying, can you be silent? Let me speak. Sometimes we don't need to open our mouth. You know what I love about some of the stories of the prophet Elijah, particularly when the, all of them began to dance and do their whole dance around the fire to get fire to come down. All he did was say, you know what? Let me make this more interesting. I'm going to show you who God is. I'm going to pour a little bit more water around this. You know, that's what your faith does. When you've seen God do a great work, when you remember in the God of the Bible that if he could bring them out of Egypt, if he can bring them across the river, if he can bring them out of the fire, put them in the fire and they would live through that, if he can put them in the pit and he can bring them out of the pit and bring them into a place of prominence, if he can take somebody who has persecuted the children of God and he can make them into apostle, what do you think God can do in your life? I want you to know today, you don't have to stay the same. You don't have to stay the same. I believe today God wants to set some of us free from the panic that has been hovering over us like a dark cloud. The fear that has been hovering over us like a dark cloud. The spirit of depression that has been hovering over us like a dark cloud. But I want you to know today that God wants to do a new thing in your life. God wants to minister to you in the middle of your depression. And he wants to let you know that I am with you. He wants to tangibly let you know that I am with you. He wants to remove the spirit of depression off you. He doesn't want you to stay the same. I don't want this to just be another service. I don't want this just to be another day at Bethesda. But I want it to be a day in which somebody makes a declaration that God, I'm going to trust you so if you're here today I want to pray with you and if you have a moment in which you're struggling you're saying God I need to remember who you are I want to speak some words of encouragement over I want to prophesy over you the goodness of God because if you're here he's not finished so if you're here today, I'm asking the prayer team to come. If you're here today, what I'm going to ask in this moment, I feel the Spirit being led, can I, Pastor, can I do this? And in this moment, uh, I want you guys, to, if they come to you, I want you to speak prophetic words over them, declaring that they, are, they belong to Him, that they are a child of God, and that He loves them, and He has a plan for their life. We want to pray over you. We don't want you to leave the same way and go back to the same work week that you've been in. God wants to do something new in your life. And he wants you to remember that he's on the boat with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.